Warning. This podcast frequently contains disturbing and graphic content. User discretion is highly advised. Enter at your own risk. Hello again, Nightmare Society. A big welcome to our newest official members of the Nightmare Society online campfire. Francis H. DJ. Blake. Abby C. Boo Bear. Ava G. And Sam R. Thanks so much for showing your love for the podcast, guys. It is so much appreciated and helps keep this thing running. And welcome. Another big thanks goes to user Abigail Williams, Devin VW, and an anonymous contributor for sharing their stories with us tonight. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. When I was 16 years old, I decided to surprise my parents with a bouquet of flowers for Valentine's Day. We've always celebrated this as a family holiday rather than a romantic one. I didn't have a car to drive to a florist, but my high school was within walking distance of a hospital boasting a gift shop that sells floral arrangements. Between my classes during the week of Valentine's Day, I set off for the hospital by my lonesome, cutting across campus to walk through a network of side roads populated with specialty doctor's offices that keep odd hours. The sort of buildings where traveling doctors mainly hold surgery consultations or perform small procedures a few times a month. The trip there passed without incident. As I was walking back through said deserted roads with a vase of flowers in tow, I noticed an unkempt 1990s car close behind me. While my memory of the car is hazy, I am left with the impression that there were at least two men inside whose faces I could not see. Initially, I assumed that the driver was simply afraid of hitting me. That being the reason that they weren't passing by, so I made a point of dramatically trudging further into the grassy shoulder of the road, demonstrating to them that they could safely drive ahead. They still refused to pass me by, continuing to creep along behind at a slow pace, beginning to suspect that the driver was more interested in me than a destination, I began to walk faster. The car confirmed my suspicions by matching my speed. Despite the impracticality of my shoes and the threat of spilling water from my vase, I commenced to a run as fast as I possibly could. They hit the gas again and matched my speed. I realized at this point that the car was following me, that there was no one in sight to notice, and I needed to get away. I bolted into the first parking lot that I saw. The car turned in after me, 
despite there being only two or three cars in the spacious front parking lot and there being no other sign of activity at the office. This car did not stop to park in the numerous spaces available there. The driver instead opted to pursue me into the partially under construction back portion of this lot behind the office. It passed every available parking space to corner me against a pile of debris and rubble from the construction, coming to a diagonal stop less than three feet away from me. Before anyone could emerge from the vehicle, I somehow managed to scale the small prominence of rubble against my back. I am doing this with vase in hand and jumped from its peak to land painfully on the other side which fortunately was a plot of undeveloped land within sight of my high school campus. I took a quick peek back over my shoulder to see if they were still in pursuit, but the car had sped off after I reached the top of the rubble pile and was now nowhere in sight. They had not parked in the lot at all. They had no business there. The driver was following me, I sprinted at top speed and didn't stop until I was soaked with sweat in the dead of winter and panting in the student lounge among my classmates, who didn't seem to give a damn when I told them, possibly because our hometown is supposedly a human trafficking capital and the crime rate is outrageous, although I'm convinced that this was something more informal than human trafficking, as the dilapidated car suggested poverty and I've read that human trafficking usually arises through grooming and not through being snatched on the streets. In retrospect, I should have told an adult, alerted campus security, and called the non-emergency line of the local police station. But I was young, foolish, insecure, and afraid of getting into trouble for leaving campus when I didn't have a signed permission form permitting me to do so. I kept trying to convince myself that I had misread the situation or was overreacting. I don't know what I would have even told the police had I called them, as I was entirely ignorant on the subject of cars and couldn't have identified the make of it had I been asked, and I couldn't see the faces of the occupants. I was also worried that my parents would restrict my already extremely limited freedoms if they knew I had been in any danger. I feel horrible for having never told anyone and earnestly hope that my secrecy hasn't led to someone being hurt or killed. I believe the only missing people aside from runaway children or elderly adults with dementia in this city right now, though, are men, aside from one woman a few decades ago. Whoever followed and tried to kidnap a 16-year-old girl with flowers at a doctor's office just before Valentine's Day of 2016, let's not meet. My first experience happened when I was about 16, because I was driving at this point. I would spend all of my summer days and nights with my best friend. 
On this particular day, we hung out all day and all night, doing what teenage girls do, and decided to turn in late at night at her house with some food, Subway in particular. Everyone in her house was in their rooms, either sleeping or just having downtime. Her mom roomed upstairs and her brother roomed in the finished basement. You barely ever saw him as he basically had a second house down there and he was an avid gamer. So there we sat, eating and gossiping in her living room in front of their big bay window that never had curtains on it. All of a sudden my phone lights up to tell me I'm receiving a call from my friend who I'm sitting right in front of. I look at her and cock my eyebrows and she looks at me with an expression that basically says, I have no explanation. I made her unlock her phone so I could see if she was pranking me as we loved to mess with each other. She did and all I saw was her home screen. Not like I didn't already have my answer as we hadn't touched our phones while we were eating. So against my better judgment I answered my phone to which I was met by the deep voice of a man asking, How's your sandwich? At that point, I clicked the end button as quick as I could, told my friend what happened, and we calmly got up and walked out of sight of the bay window without looking at it. We booked it upstairs to her mom's room and camped out in her walk-in closet, as there was no way in hell we were returning downstairs. Her mom didn't believe us when I told her what happened. Even I had a hard time believing what happened as I still don't know how someone can call you and make it look like another person's number. We asked her brother about it the next day to which he also denied having a part in and wouldn't have known we had food since he never left his room. So to whoever was watching us through the window and possibly hacking my friend's phone, I don't want to ever meet you. The next experience happened when I was probably 14. I was sleeping in my bed one night when I woke suddenly to the feeling of my hair being moved, as if someone had run their fingers through it, and the most quiet surrounding I've ever experienced, as if all things in the world that could make noise had just been muted. I had an asymmetrical room, so one of my walls went diagonally up to my ceiling, I looked at this part of my wall as looking was all I could do. My body was frozen and my eyes were even making it hard on me to move them. And when I looked, I saw a contorted shadow just standing there, unmoving. I watched it for a while, what felt like eternity. It started talking to me in an incredibly eerie whisper that was simultaneously loud as if it were being shouted into my ear. And all it said was, Don't worry, we are in control At that point, I felt unsafe, like it meant to do me harm. But I still could not move my body. I knew at this point I was having a night terror, as my brother had them frequently. But I was lucky to never have experienced these freakish and horrifying things he constantly spoke of. Until this night. I sat there, unable to move, and unable to do anything besides blink, 
when I felt hot tears start to stream down my face as it was the most scared I had ever been in my entire life. It felt like hours before my body finally broke free from this mental prison when I finally gained the strength and courage to run downstairs. And luckily I found my mom still awake watching TV. It was about 2am but she was a night owl so no surprise. I immediately ran to her, crying and telling her someone was in my room. That's all I could manage to say and for the rest of the night I laid in her lap crying until I cried myself to sleep. The next day I awoke and still felt shaken by my night before, but I felt better knowing it was just a nightmare and I was able to better explain it to my mother when my mother and brother sat me down and said, We weren't going to tell you, but um, we didn't want to scare you. But just a week ago, your brother had a night terror where someone was speaking to him, scaring him so badly he ran out of the house into the rain and wouldn't come back inside. He got a recording, got a recording, got a recording, got a recording. I was speechless. At the time, he had downloaded it to YouTube and let me listen. A scratchy, almost choked voice was talking to him as he asked it questions through his own tears. He said this being was sitting beside him, face to face, but he was too scared to look at it in fear that it would do something to him. So he just talked to it, hoping that it would go away or something. He has since taken down the video as talking about these situations make him extremely uncomfortable. As for me, that was enough to let me know that whatever or whoever visited me that night was real. Since then, I haven't experienced any more visits. I'm 26 years old today and still get that feeling like I may have a visit some night. So I make sure to sleep with my TV on so I have some light and some sound to help me sleep. I know it's silly, but it's all I can do to give myself some peace, as that type of fear isn't something I ever wish to revisit. So, strange and sinister shadow creature, please never visit me again. I live in North Wales, UK. For anyone who's had the pleasure of visiting, it's truly a beautiful place to live. Though for an adolescent boy, it's certainly lacking in things to do. As a result, my friends and I would often find ourselves mindlessly exploring areas of countryside and coastline. Despite it being quite sparsely populated in comparison to the closest cities, there is a dual carriageway running right along the coast from Wales into England. Also, train tracks run alongside this road for most of its course, occasionally passing overhead via a small cement bridge. Anyway, 
There was one night a few years ago when about four of us randomly decided to try and explore inside one of these bridges, as one of the group had observed a manhole cover nearby, which we believed to be an entrance. On closer inspection, we discovered several tools would be required in order to gain entry. We returned with the necessary equipment and proceeded to unbolt the cover. This had to be done stealthily, as the train track was right beside us. Not close enough to be of any danger, but definitely a sufficiently small distance to cause panic for any train driver. And panic usually means police. It wasn't long before we had removed the heavy steel disc and had started descending the ladder down into the structure. Once we had all safely reached the bottom, we decided to progress to the other side. At this point, we were totally confined into the narrow space that leads into the main area. If you're confused as to what the heck this bridge is supposed to be, you probably should be, because it was rather peculiar. I mean, I would have never known there was an even inside had we not found the manhole. So as we squeeze and crouch, and at one point scrape along on our bellies to the other side of the structure, there's a growing sense of claustrophobia between us. The distance from one end to the other is surprisingly long. But by the halfway point, you can look down through narrow gaps onto the motorway below. This was actually pretty cool, which helped keep us calm in a strange way. At this point, apart from the mild discomfort and confinement, we were still just a group of guys on an adventure. This was about to change dramatically. No more than a few meters beyond halfway, which we could tell due to the symmetry of the passageways through the bridge. One of us claimed they could see some object in the distance at the far end. Slightly hesitantly, we agreed to investigate. Bad move. I reached the end first, and let me tell you, I have never felt the same sense of dread before or since. In front of me was a single fold-away chair positioned facing a wall. On the wall was a partially torn page from a newspaper or a magazine, showing a fully naked lady in an erotic position. The reason I don't just refer to it as porn is because something was different about it. I can't put my finger on it, but it seemed more sinister than sexy, if that makes sense. More disturbingly, the eyes of the woman on display had been cut from the page removed with precision, not just hastily ripped off. The scene that lay before us had rendered us completely speechless, and an overpowering sense of panic could be felt collectively. That was when we found the condom. The horrendous, gut-wrenching, blood-drenched condom. Needless to say, we got the heck out of there as fast as humanly possible smashing our knees and shins against the sharp cement edges which lined the path to the ladder by which we had entered. Of course, we were all praying to God that the manhole hadn't been resealed, as it was impossible to tell until you reached the ladder itself. 
Thankfully, the exit route was clear and we promptly dashed as far away as our legs could carry us. I'm sure this ending comes as a disappointment to some of you reading this, as we luckily never bumped into the twisted individual who sits in that chair. But I must stress how radically out of the norm this was given where I live. The reason I mentioned the population earlier was with purpose. There is easily enough people here to escape the realms of crazy country folk, yet nowhere near enough people to have someone clearly lose grip on society without someone else taking notice. For example, there was literally only one homeless man who everyone in the area knew and grew fond of, eventually resulting in a mass gathering at his funeral when he passed away. Sometimes I think, though not recently as I've had more or less forgotten about that night entirely, about the person who climbs down into that bridge and navigates through the darkness to sit facing a wall and do God knows what. That ends up with a condom full of blood. You honestly couldn't envision a more surreal situation. It's just come to my realization that what we unearthed that night has not once been uttered to another soul. As a naive teenager, it was the type of thing you just wanted to forget. But thinking about it, we probably should have let the police, or at least someone else, know about what was down there. Because it wasn't the doings of a healthy-minded individual. I'm considering going down there again. Accompanied, of course to see what kind of screwed up stuff might be waiting. This could well happen in the next couple of days and rest assured I will 100% post an update. Early yesterday evening, a friend and I decided to embark on the revisit to this awful place in the hope of finding some remnants of the twisted scene that had been stumbled upon several years ago. We were not disappointed. If anything, it was worse than I had imagined. Aside from what you will see in the photos, the general environment within the bridge structure is practically uninhabitable, as it bloody well should be, and stomach-turning to say the least. The amount of dust in the passageways is actually quite unbearable, but that is nothing compared to the constant stench that must be endured. Also, the heat didn't help the situation either. I won't ramble on, but I must express how vulnerable you feel when navigating through the tunnels. Even with two of us, both carrying appropriate weaponry, the sense of evil was overpowering. The tension is amplified tenfold by the fact that, had we encountered someone or something, the layout of the structure and the multiple tight squeezes mean a safe, speedy exit is not possible. It is truly a hellhole. Kyle here. For those of you who follow the Instagram, there will be photos from their initial investigation of the first story and what they found. And there will also be photos from the second one as well. There are some inappropriate photos in the first one, I believe it was. Maybe the second one, too. 
Um, I'm not going to post those personally, but I will post the link to the uh, Imager page on the Patreon. So if you're a member of the online campfire, keep an eye out for a post right after this to uh, get a link to that if you're interested. A reminder, it is quite graphic. If you're not a member and you would like to be, you can check out the options we have over on patreon.com slash nightmare society. Memberships start at just a dollar a month if you just want to chip in a little and support the podcast. We have a $3 and a $5 option as well where you get commercial-free episodes um, as well as early release episodes and the $5 tier you get bonus content. Also, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you should at Nightmare Society Radio. Every Friday, we post a story on there with a Would You Rather game. The answers of everyone are usually quite interesting and sometimes quite surprising. So, if you're on Instagram, go on over and like us there and be sure to check in on Fridays for the Would You Rather game. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet dreams.